we are starting week three of our series called Living in the Light. And I was thinking about how when we're getting in the darker and the rainier and shorter days of our calendar year, what more could we just talk about and live out and having the, the light of Jesus flowing through us? It takes some time and intentionality to make that a part of our our season and our life. And so uh, this, this series has been really great. Not only are we gathering here on, on Sunday mornings, but something that we're doing throughout the week. Some of us are gathering in groups, uh, in, in living rooms and coffee shops. I love the, one of the men's groups. They're, they're, they gathered last week. I believe they had, they were around a bonfire and, and they cooked brats. And so that's a manly thing to do, right? That's, that's a cool thing to do. So we do that, or even the group that I'm a part of, we're online, uh, and we do it in the evening. We have some young couples that put their little kids down for bed, and then we just, rather than jumping on Netflix, we just spend time in group together. There's many ways to do that. And if you're not a group, we want to help you be in a group. Let us know to do that. Get you, get you signed up in a group. It's not too late to be a part of what we're doing this fall. Some of our groups are just meeting and for a season and then, then they're done and then it's Christmas time and they'll start up again maybe next time some of our groups are continuing on so again there's a variety of ways to do that the third piece of part of our series is this this growth guide it's designed for you and I to spend time in God's word every day uh, just going as we journey through the book of John reading it there's some spiritual exercises and do this some of us or maybe you feel like we're a little bit stale in our walk with the Lord. Sometimes we need a tool to help us kind of refresh us and, and give us some, some new ways to approach the Lord. And this is, a, this is a great little tool to do that. So encourage you this week, we're starting into session three, reading John uh, five and six, which we're going we're gonna to get to here uh, this morning. So really, really encourage you to take a look at this book and, and look for how you can use it as a tool. They're available in the back on that bistro table if you're in person or online. You can go to ctk.church, North Bay, and then there's, it's called Living in the Light uh, tab under the Grow on our website. You can see all the information to be part of that. There's questions each week that go uh, with the message that tie uh, with the book. So today though, we're, you know, when we go going through the book of John, what I, what I love about John is it has all, as we were watching in the video, there's different metaphors, what John talks about. Of course, being the light of the world, it's continuing a theme throughout. But, but also as last week we looked at, he is the, the living water. We, we talked about how this woman at the well, how she experienced the living water of Jesus so much. She left her jars of, of wanting to get real, you know, you know, physical water to get spiritual water. She didn't need it any longer. She was filled with Jesus. And we had a beautiful time of worship at the end, just saying, Lord, fill us. Fill us with your spirit. And it can't be a Sunday only thing. I found if I'm just trying to get filled with God once a week, it doesn't work. I, I'm dry and dusty throughout the week. I need a daily filling of God's word in my life, God's presence in my soul. Today, we're going to switch him from water, well, to bread. We're going to spend time today talking about Jesus and who he is in our life. And I, I don't know what this will mean to you when I open this up. If this brings some kind of nostalgia, it does for me. It's something that, <coughs> it's actually something I, when I saw it in the, in the cupboard or my mom had it in the grocery cart, I'm like, oh, that's what I want. I don't know. They, they did a great job marketing it when I was a kid that I wanted this. This is something that I really, really desired. And it's, it's Wonder Bread. 
I don't know, when, this may be the age level I was. They, they marketed really well this bread, didn't they not? That this was the bread to have. This was the name brand bread as a kid you needed to eat. And, and you know, Wonder Bread, is, is, it was advertised. There was nothing better than the Wonder Bread, especially when you took like Oscar Mayer bologna, craft sliced cheese you know the type with the you had to take the, the plastic off and then you look at the ingredient it's not cheese it said cheese food so I don't it's not quite cheese but cheese for food food for cheese and and then it, it, you know this again age level wise but my mom she she didn't have mayo but she had what was even more amazing than mayo miracle whip and some of you going my mom had Miracle Whip. I don't know why, but it was also with margarine as well, right? And so Miracle Whip, Oscar Mayer, you know, bologna and craft, you know, what I mean? and then wash, wash that down with some Kool-Aid. You got all your GMOs <laughs> in one lunch. Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread. Do you know that Wonder Bread is celebrating their 100th anniversary? In fact, this is the original Wonder Bread. This is 100 years old, and it's still fresh, this bread. You know, it was invented in 1921, and it was, had everything to do with where they're modernizing machinery with, with wheat, and they, they realized they're taking all the vital ingredients out of the wheat, and so they had to put it back in. And so they, it's calcium-fortified and rich bread. Okay, this will, this loaf I bought, it, it will last 100 years, okay? It's going to be around for a while. Now, some of you kind of going, man, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen a loaf of bread like this since uh, 12, when I was 12, right? Or you, maybe your, your kids, you still feed it to them, I don't know. But here's the thing about it is, even though you might be switched to organic, you might be eating much healthier and better, better nutritious food, the reality is, this Wonder Bread, it really epitomizes our, our world. It, it epitomizes the genetically modified marketed world that we live in. Our, our wonder, it's not, might, might not be in bread any longer, but it's in the wonder of the screens that we look at. It, we, we are awed of what we see that's in front of us. It, it, in sociologists, we call it, they would call it the the, the hyper-reality world that we live in. The exaggerated world. Our, our, our world is filled with GMOs. It's, it's airbrushed, it's Botox, it's, it's, it's computer-generated, it's been manipulated, exaggerated, and, and it's just to make it more attractive of whatever was, we're going to make it even more. We're going to make something that means is normal, we're going to exaggerate as much as we can. The problem with this hyper-reality or this GMO-generated, you know, computer-generated world is, first of all, it's not, it's not real. It's, hype, it's this hyper-reality. <clears throat> but we, I, I put it this way, we, we have FOMO over GMO, okay? We get so wondering where we're, the, 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 the whole intensity of, of just comparison comes over us. When we think we don't need something, then we realize we do, because especially if someone else has it. 
We're in a culture of comparison. We, we might find that we think our marriage is okay, but then we look at someone else's marriage. We, we look at our career and where we're at, like, but what is advertised, what's communicated is much better over here, or, or parenting. But, and even in, even in our faith, we see these, these perfect memes of, of faith that's expressed, and we're like, I can't, I can't live up to that. That's a, that's a huge problem for us is comparison. The other intense thing is the intense discontentment that we experience. Normal is actually... Well, it's just boring. The normal mundane is actually boring. And, and what we find is we, 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 we get caught up in the latest and we caught up in the greatest and, and this missing out that affects us in so many different things. It's, it's a necessary evil in a sense because we want to we wanna find out what people are doing. We want to find out what's happening out there. We want to stay in touch with the world. But with it comes this price that we have to pay going, oh, I don't, I don't have it. I don't have enough. I, 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 I need, well, I need more. And we, we get caught up in this, that it's just not quite enough. I don't know with your kids or if you, you, you do this, if you're a parent, and I, I think it's a great idea at work for our children when they're babies, is that we, we taught them sign language because verbally it was difficult to communicate rather than screaming their head off. We taught them some sign language. And, and what we taught them was we taught them more and please. And so our little boy, now it's 22 and 6'3", with a little baby, he, we would teach him this. And he, you want more Eggo waffles, buddy? Four. And then we would give him more. This is, you know, put, we put his hands together. This is more if you want more. And we were kind of trained him that way. And, and, then, and, then, and then we taught him, please, give him some, some manners. And this is please. And he would go, more, please. And here's some waffles we would give him. And then pretty soon he's getting more and please and like, okay, buddy, that's enough waffles. No more, please. No, buddy, that's all. More, please. I'm just wondering in our lives too, there's a lot of more and please that we want. A little, a little bit more money, Lord. More money, please. More health, more please. Lord, more money. Lord, more help, please, more health. And, and there is a, there's a legitimate cry, right, for the needs in our life and, and, and people that are in need. I had a friend that texted me today, and his, you know, his mother-in-law is diagnosed with cancer. And I mean, there's, there's really, Lord, more. I mean, there's, there's real need in our lives. But we find ourselves, if we're not careful, we get into this, this, this consumer mindset, legitimate needs, but sometimes there's just this discontentment that comes over us. So I, I, I want you to fill in this blank. Okay, here's, here's a fill in the blank for you. Think about this if you're watching as well. I will be happy when? What would that be? Some of you right now, like, I would be happy if I, I was healed. I, I'd be happy if my marriage was in a better shape. I'd be happy, yes, if I could retire today. I would be happy when I, this happened. What is that? What is it that you're looking for ultimately? New, new car, new job, promotion, married, have a baby, have grandbabies. <clears throat> what, what does it look that you're looking for? How many know when never really gets reached on this earth, does it? Sometimes it does. Many times it's not because more is never enough. There's, there's not enough things that can be shipped to your house from Amazon or what Costco can fill your cart. It's really kind of a spongy substance that we seem to always always want more. 
Well, what do we do with this hyper-reality world? What do, how, do we, how do we respond to this in a healthy way? It doesn't mean that we don't have needs, right? We have needs. And God knows our needs. He, the Bible says he'll, he'll, he'll supply all his needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It's not that he doesn't hear us on that. But I'm wondering if there's something that's deeper, it's connected, that's actually, it really has to do with our, our motives. In fact, that's what, when you read through, and this week we'll be reading through John chapter 5, and then, Today, looking at chapter 6, there's something kind of interesting where Jesus addresses a very consumer-driven world. And they didn't, have, they didn't have the technology and the media and everything we had back then, but they were still consumer-oriented. In fact, when you read the first part of John chapter 6, you're going to read one of the famous things that happened was the feeding of the 5,000. Where Jesus, it wasn't 5,000 people, it was like 15 to 20,000 with women and children and everybody. With five loaves and two, two fish. And there was actually an abundance that was left over. And the Bible, you read through, and then Jesus kind of went on, and the, and the crowd followed him, like, wow, he's, we're getting a lot from him. And, and Jesus comes a long way, and he kind of turn, almost turns to him and says, listen, he, ch- he checks, checks their motive with him. He says, You're, why are you really following me? It's not, it's not for following me. There, there's something you want from me. This is what he says in verse 26. That you can follow along. He says this, he, he brings him this point. He says, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He's saying, now you're following me because of what I'm giving you, not, not for who I really am. And I, I think this just speaks to us. It spoke to those this group that we're going to be looking at this morning, but, it's, but it speaks to all of us. And we get caught up in this consumer-driven Christianity because we, we somehow, yes, God wants to meet our needs, but we get caught up in that. That needs itself is the end in itself, and it's not. It's just the beginning of what really, what Jesus provides, but actually really who he is. So, what does Jesus says? He says this to him. There's something you need to do. And he says this. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. What is he saying there? Well, I think he put it in one sentence here today. Is this that Jesus is the source that satisfies our wonder. That Jesus is the source that satisfies our wonder. And And when Jesus said this, it's almost like the appetites were wet of the people because the, they, they asked him that day, he said, well, what must we do to do the works of God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe in the one he has sent. That's it? Believe? Yep, that's it simple, right? <laughs> what does that really mean? Well, we need to understand from creation to revelation, it's all been about that. It's all been about the faith journey. Listen to the people as they process this. They're processing with what Jesus is about to say and what he just said in their own context. Because this is what they said. They asked him, what sign then will you give that you, that we may see and believe you? What will, what will you do? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
And it, you understand that the audience here is their ancestors. They kind of go to this place going, well, you provided in the past food. Remember, he's looking at the five, the five loaves and two fish and how God provided and they're connecting together. Well, that kind of reminds us of our ancestors who they journeyed through to the promised land and they needed substance to get to that land. And so God provided bread. He provided quail, which was, was you know, a bird and, and bread to them each and every day. They, they couldn't settle down in a place. They couldn't grow their own crops. You know, McDonald's is 3,000 years away. They needed something. And so the original wonder bread came in Exodus 16 it says this then the Lord said to Moses I will rain down bread from heaven for you the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day it happened every single day for 40 years they opened their tent flap and there was bread I mean the first day they looked out and they're going what is this and that actually was the name of manna manna means what's this and they they took the substance and, and it's interesting they they took it but then, then they, got, they were instructed to gather enough just for that day. The daily provision. If they went beyond the day, they collected more than the, they, they needed for that day, it turned moldy and was filled with maggots. Why? Because in this way, verse, the last part of that verse says, in this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. A test. A test. It's always a test. It's always a test that we take. And it's a test of trust. The, the, the trust test where God's basically saying to them, will you trust me daily and continually? Why? Because if, they, if God gave them more than the day's allowance, they would trust in the leftovers rather than the Lord. And we do that all the time, don't we? When we get in abundance, we many times we kind of, well, it's human nature. We kind of forget God. God bless me, please, more, please. And, and then Lord does. And he gives us an abundance. And then we're like, it's all good. Life's good. Going great. And all of a sudden we're in need again. More, please. And we, we get back in this place. And it's not that the Lord is wanting us to just always be in need. What the Lord really wants in our, in our need is relationship continually, daily, trusting him and relationship with him. See, what happened was when the people settled in the promised land, they settled in their faith and they got, they got lazy, they, they forgot God, they turned to idols and we see this yo-yo that happens in, in the history of Israel where they turned their back on the Lord because they, they trusted God more for what he was giving them than, than the relationship with him. And then when they got it, they didn't need more. And so Jesus comes along and says, you're, you're looking, you're, you're searching for food that spoils. And we can do the same thing. We, we look for things. We, we, we turn to maybe something that's fashionable. And then, you know, a year or two later, you're, it's, your, it's your goodwill don donation, isn't it? You, you bought that, you know, that fancy apparatus for exercise or whatever, for, you know, six easy payments for $59.99 plus shipping and handling. And if you act now, you can get blah, blah, blah. That's kind of like you have it in the offer up right now in your, on your app, right? You're trying to get rid of it, right? You, your 72-inch TV you bought for the NFL season, guys, 
guess what? It's just going to be outdated and old. I bought a TV just a couple years ago. Well, maybe it's 10 years ago. And I gone to Costco. It's, it's the holy grail of TVs. And you're just going, oh my gosh, right? There's always something late. There's always going to be this more. There's always never going to be up. And I would say even deeper, if it's a sexual or sinful experience that, that ends up, be, it can lead to regret and shame and insecurity and false hopes and, you know, whatever it might be that we're going after, it's just never enough. Why did he say food that perishes never ultimately satisfied? And so this was the issue of the people of that day as well. They, they were, they, what they were given to them, this, this, this substance was, it was just a, a symbol. It was just this opportunity through the need to have this relationship that would lead to the wonder of who Jesus really is. Jesus said to him, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you this true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now all this talk about bread, some of you are going, I'm gluten-free, okay? Don't miss the point of this. Bread is a symbol of substance and stability. It's when you know and you have enough. And Jesus, they said Jesus is said the bread of life. That word life, it means to live to the fullest. What Jesus is saying, he's the bread of life. I am the I am the God of full life. I'm the God of meaningful life. I'm the God of abundant life. I'm a God of fulfilled and eternal life. When you turn to me, when you get it, you, the, there's a hunger and this wonder that I have for you that I can bring that true satisfaction. Now, again, if you're gluten-free, sorry I, what I'm about to say. I can't tell you there's nothing better than the smell of just fresh bread. You with me on that? There's just something about, it's warm, it's, it's, it's home, home feel to it. Uh, I mean, you could, you could be a kid in a neighborhood, and there's a window open, someone's kitchen, and this waffle of this wonderful smell, and just, everybody just gathers and, and congregates toward the source of this. And the person that's baking, usually it was your mom. If you've been a mom, you're like, get your grubby hands away from this. It needs to cool. And then it cools enough, and then it's sliced, and then there's, there's butter on it, and you eat that. And it's like, there's nothing better than fresh bread. Nothing better. I wonder, as, as it was true to that day and true to our ancient day, there's nothing better than this longing and, and desire to, for our yearning souls that still wonders for more. And I, I guess the question I have for you is, are you still trying to bake your own bread? Jesus says, you're working for food, you're, you're laboring food, you're laboring for what you're doing. Are you still trying to come up with your own substance and your own, your own thing and what you're trying to do? And what Jesus is saying, you're, gonna, you're working for food that spoils. You're going to exhaust yourself. And Jesus is saying, as the bread of life, I've extended myself. I've exerted myself. He says in the communion meal, he says, I, 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 this bread is my body broken for you. I am the bread of life that you can experience. He's the bread to satisfy our souls. But it's a, it's a, I would say this, it's a daily choice for us to get it when it's fresh. Let me ask you this question. How fresh is your faith? How fresh is your faith? Is your faith, is it more focused on the genetically modified, vitamin enriched, 
life that seems to be out there, that seems to be phony? Are you really turning to the one, to the true source of life? How do you keep it fresh? Is it, is it fresh and alive? Is it stale? Is it dying? Well, here's some thoughts, and we'll, then we'll pray together. How to keep our faith fresh. The first is this, is to gather what you get today through prayer. To gather what you get through today through prayer. Again, sorry gluten-free people, but go into a bakery on an early morning and there's fresh donuts. I know, just triggering people today. And if you get that donut, you know what? I'm just going to let it sit for a couple days. It ain't any good. It ain't worth the calories at all, okay? It's not worth it. Even if you microwave, you ever microwave a donut? later. Not the same. It's done. And I tell you, if we still grab something that's fresh and let it warm over and let it, let it kind of just stale, it's not great for us. And I find we still find ourselves where God's telling the people, just as they opened the tent flap and they got their daily rations of bread, and God wasn't being stingy. It wasn't like, you only get this and that's all I'm going to give you. It had everything to do with the freshness and the relationship that he wanted to have with them. He wanted them to be in constant trust in him. And the Lord is the same way. There's nothing better than fresh baked bread. Day bread. Not day old fresh same day experience. And I love how Jesus expressed this, the very thing in his, in, his, in his prayer, the Lord's prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth that it is in heaven. Give us this day our what? Weekly? Yearly? Oh, daily bread. Are you getting it daily fresh in your lives? And I think sometimes what I've found is I don't, if I don't get it daily and I don't get it often and I don't get it early enough, it isn't very good. Fresh bread is best in the morning. When it's freshly baked, right, right at the beginning. And, and some of you are kind of like, I'm not a morning person, okay? You know, it's like the old joke, like it's, you, you know, some people say, good morning, Lord. Some people go, good Lord, it's morning, okay? Some of you are in that category. I get that. So I don't know how you're going to get it. If your morning is at 10 a.m., I don't know what time you're going to get it. But don't wait till the end of the day. It's, it's, it's going to be stale. It's going to be left. You're, you're going to miss out. God wants to deliver it to you daily. And his word daily, our daily bread. If you're here this morning, you're just going, this is so good. I'm going to eat up. That's wonderful. And not eat the rest of the week. It's going to be stale on Monday. Today is the day. In fact, I encourage you if you're in the, in the sense of, you know, learning to pray and grow in prayer. Sometimes that we need help and tools. And I want to encourage you this week in our in our, in our booklet, there's this exercise, a spiritual, this is our spiritual practice this week, is the exam, exam prayer. And if you turn to this, this prayer, it's great. It's a really great help for us. And Igneous Lolia, Loyola developed this prayer. It's a prayer of first of light, this prayer, a way to create space in which to carry out the conversation with God, began by asking the one pure light, undimmed by darkness of any kind, to grant you an ability to have clear, to clearly see, hear, understand, and respond to his loving presence. Take time to thank him. As moments of grace come to mind, give thanks for the Lord that he has come to your day and, and the generosity 
to say, I will ponder with great affection how much God has done for me and how much he has given me of what he possesses. And finally, how much the same the Lord desires to give himself to me. And then take time to review. Watch the day play back like a film. What did you learn? What, where did you see God working in your life? Where were maybe you were resisting? And then respond to that. Take time to have converse with God, expressing your thoughts, the actions and attitudes and feelings you had. Maybe take time to write those thoughts down. There's a place you can journal that. And just say, God, how did you work in my life? How did I see you do that? It's a daily thing to do. And then look toward tomorrow. Look, think about tomorrow. Look, look, ask God to be present in your thoughts and actions as you commit to him. It's a daily experience to do. A morning prayer to keep it fresh. Another thing to do in prayer is also this. Is, is don't rely on yesterday's leftovers. To keep your faith fresh, don't re rely on yesterday's leftovers. As mentioned, the people, they were not to hoard the leftovers. When they got them the next day and they kept them, it's because they, they turned bad. And the Lord was just showing them, I want you to depend on me in a daily experience, a continual experience with me. And I find that what we sometimes do, what, what, what are hoarders do? They, they're doing that because they're in fear. There, there's, there's a selfishness, there's a fear, there's a, I, I have to hold on and we tight grip it. And yet, well, many times we're not really generous to what we give toward others. But even to ourselves, we, we hold back the opportunity what, what the Lord's really given us. And I tell you, you can, we need to live on today's bread, not less yesterday's leftovers. I, I could tell you a moment I had. It was about 35 years ago. I was uh, down in, in Lake Wacom. It's kind of the kind of the northwest corner of this little lake, and, and there's this little Bible camp called Lutherwood Bible Camp, and there's a chapel there. And I remember a moment where this rip-roaring fire is going and the speaker was talking about experiencing the presence of God. I'm like, I, I want that. And I remember coming forward and just as the fireplace was roaring in this little chapel, my heart was filled with the, the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. It was one of the most unbelievable experiences. I would say top five in my entire life. But I tell you today, if I drove down there, and, and went to the little camp and, and they let me in and I went to the, to the little chapel and I made a big roaring fire and I'm saying, Lord, here I am. I might have an experience, but it won't be experience of 35 years ago. It'll be the experience of today. And the same thing for us. I don't, wonderful experiences and the heritage you have and the experiences you've had even last year, the Lord wants to do something new in you and I today. Today is that day. Don't think about the left, don't hold on to the leftovers of the past. Jesus himself, even after 40 days in the desert, said of, of just, here he's hungry. Imagine being hungry for, you know, not eating in 40 days and, and all the temptations the devil came from. And this is what's his defense. Man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Little bit of eternal bread that just like a little yeast works through the whole dough. God's word in a daily doses in our life, it changes our lives. It, 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 the Bible is filled with everything we need, the very word of God to help us in our marriages, help us in our decisions, overcome addictions. We don't know what to do with our money. There's, there's a whole stewardship investment plan that's in that book. There's ways and things that we have help us over hurts and hangups and problems that we have. It's all there for us at our taking every single day. Baked fresh for us to taste and see that the Lord is good. And finally is this. 
Finally, in keeping it fresh is to seek his face, not his hand. To seek his face, not his hand. You know, again, in the context of John chapter 6, they just came off this incredible miracle. The, the biggest miracle Jesus did that affected thousands of people. And they're like, oh, Jesus, more, please. Please, Lord, more, more, more. And Jesus checks their motive. Like, you're seeking after my stuff. You're not really seeking after me as as your savior. He knew the motives of the crowd and he knows our motives as well. I want to read this and I want to, I want to encourage you to read this as a challenge. In fact, we could read this in the setting and, and, and it really flies in the face of any kind of consumer Christianity that's out there today. And this is what it is. I want you to imagine being in the crowd as Jesus, his, say, I'm the bread of life. I have everything to give you. But let, this is what Jesus says as a challenge. Jesus said to him, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. In verse 60, it says, On hearing this, many of the disciples said, This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? John says this in verse 66, For this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You read that on, on face value, you're kind of going, Is he talking cannibalism? No. He's talking about commitment. He goes, I don't want just to be your casual Facebook friend. I want a covenant relationship with you. And what that's going to require is that if you're willing to take everything that I'm going to give you, the very bread and the very substance I provide for you, that also comes with getting everything, of, including my suffering. That if you're going to, if you're willing to follow me, if you're willing to, re, I can fill you, I can give you it, but with it comes a price. With it, it's carrying my very cross, being obedient to me unto, even unto death. That there will be suffering along the way. But in that, you will have full life in me. And that teaching was so difficult for the people of that day that many of them turned away. In fact, Jesus then turned to the 12 and says, he looked at them. There were, I think it was almost like there was nobody really left except a few of the, of the people. And his, his 12, his small group, he says, you guys, are you turning away too? And this is what Peter says, Lord, where would we go? You hold the words of life. There isn't anywhere else to go. There's no, nothing else to ever, ever satisfy our soul. Jesus is the one, but it comes with this cost. And the cost, Jesus says, is that you're willing to surrender yourself to me, every bit of you, and if it includes suffering. It's time for us to come to this place, not just to seek his hand any longer, but to grow maturity as as Matthew says, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything will be added to us as well. Listen, discipleship is not a drive-through. It is a lifelong commitment, day in, day out. And we've said this over and over, we only really truly grow through what we go through. 
It's just the way it is. There's no shortcut. There's no easy pill. There's nothing, there's nothing that's vitamin quick fortified that's going to give us. We have to continue to, to hunger for that wonder of who he truly is. And it can't be hyper-reality. He really is the one, not just to satisfy the needs that we have. He is the one that will satisfy our souls. It's Jesus and only Jesus to seek his face, not just his hand. It's daily and it's continually. I invite Chris to come as we come in a place of prayer here in closing. And I want to share this with you. In fact, I'm going to share a little bit of, of this tomorrow evening and it ties with the bigger CTK North Bay story. Again, if you're fairly new to us and you don't, you wonder about look, this context of our church, tomorrow night would be a very important night for you to be there as well, to kind of understand where we've come from. And we have miracle stories after miracle story. And this, this story ties in with the bigger story that happened. Several years ago, there was a, a man named Marty that came into our church and he'd done really well. He was a retired educator. He was a principal down in the Skagit Valley and him and his wife settled in, in Birch Bay. And he comes to me and I never met him before and he said, can I tell you a little bit my, what happened to me? He goes, my wife and I were, we were going on a vacation to the, to the Grand Canyon. And I, we came back, we landed in, in Bellingham and she says, I'll, I'll get the luggage, you go find our ride. They had a friend that was going to pick him up. And so he found his friend, hey, oh great. And then he comes back and she's gone. She's not around. I'm like, and he's kind of freaking. He's kind of freaking out about where where did my wife go? And then like a minute later, this somebody hands him an envelope, and he opens it up, and it's divorce papers. And he he goes, I don't know what to do. And so he goes to his friend and said, Where's your wife? She gave me this. I guess she's not coming. So he goes home. He opens up his house. Half of his stuff is gone. His wife had planned all this. In fact, he looked back on a little bit. He kind of chuckled when he said, you know, we went to the Grand Canyon. She wanted to make sure my life, our life insurance was up to date and we were taking pictures by the cliff. And, and he just, he put it all together. He's like, I think I'm overthinking it. He goes, but all this happened. And I say all that because his world was rocked. Everything he was wanting, everything he was hoping for, it just all changed. And he realized his life, everything's success was an emptiness that there. He needed the bread of life. Well, it's so interesting. He continued to come to church here. And then he would go home and he would take the notes that you have and, and, and he would look them over and everything. And, they're, you know, and, and his neighbor, he would go over and, and his, he would see his neighbor on the deck and he goes, hey, Marty. He goes, where are you going Sunday mornings? He goes, oh, I go to that, that church in that old red building up there in the hill. I said, really, what's that about? And so Peter and Marty, his neighbor, they would get together and they would talk about the notes. It's almost, here's the little morsels I got from the service. He goes, you know, I think I need to come with you. And so Peter and Marty started coming to church here for a while. And then person and Marty says, I'm, I'm moving to Olympia. I'm relocating down there. But Peter continued to come. And one day, Peter's walking with a cane, a little bit more feeble. And I said, how are you doing? He goes, hey, do you do home visits? Sure, I'd love to connect with you, Peter. And so him and I started meeting with him almost on a weekly basis. And, and when I find out with Peter, he lived in a, a beautiful house, overlooked Lummi Island, but it was completely empty. He, he had this beautiful place and you get to share about how he got to where he was and the business he had, very successful cleaning business that he established and everything he'd done. And, and him and I, I got to learn a little bit like leadership principles and business principles from him. And he goes, but I'm really kind of empty and kind of lonely. And here he had worked all this. He worked for food that was, was not satisfying him. 
And then there's this moment where he tells me one day, he goes, they, the doctors told me I've congested heart failure. They said, I, only, I have probably just six months to live. And I'm saying, oh, Peter, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I began to share with him God's word. And he, he really, through our time, he recommitted his life to the Lord. And, and then one day he says to me, he says, he goes, I want you to know that I, I redid my will. I'm leaving the church $100,000. Wow, that's credible, Peter. Thank you. That's great. You know, you know, people say stuff to you all the time. You know, I, I, that's great and appreciate that. And I continued to meet with him. And I tell you, it wasn't six months to the day that he said he was going to die that he died. In fact, I had the, the, his service. His kids from out of town came and we planned this service in his, his living room. And I would say, tell you within just maybe a few months from now, I get a letter from the attorney. Indeed, he left $100,000 for the church. We're, we're actually, it's why we own this building free and clear. And I'll tell a little bit more of the story tomorrow night on top of that, the miracle story. But it's not about the money. It's not about how successful Peter was. It's at the end of his life, he, his hunger got satisfied. He experienced the power and the presence of God. And, and he, he was filled with the Lord at the very, very end of his life. I remember going to his I remember going to the hospice and visiting him and praying with him. And, and I, I, I told him, I just said, Peter, and he was unconscious at that point. I just said, the Lord's with you. And the power and the presence of God was so strong with him. And, and there was this peace. I just prayed this peace that passes all understanding would guard his heart and mind, Jesus, and mind in Christ Jesus. And I wasn't, I will not exaggerate. The time I got on the freeway, his, his, daughter called and said, he's gone. He had just released to the Lord. He, 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 he went to heaven in peace and the rest. But I do look back in his life and go, and there were so many wasted years of what he was working for and achieving and really ended up living a very empty life at the end. It was just that fullness of the last six months of his life. Can I tell you, I don't know how long you have to live. I don't know how long I'm going to live, but let's not let the last six of our lives be the, the full life that we have. There's so much life we have and it starts today. What we have today, it's what we get today that matters. This day, this opportunity to experience the manna from heaven, Jesus, the bread of life. Let's continue pursue the hunger and the wonder of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Just like Peter, Lord, where would we go? You hold the words of life for us. There's nothing, nothing will satisfy us. There's nothing that's genetically modified. There's nothing that's computer generated. There's nothing that's fabricated. It's not even anything that anybody can make and create. It's only what you have given. It's beyond the substance. It's your very spirit that come and dwell in us. And Lord, you create us for this hunger to wonder. But Lord, may we channel that hunger and that wonder toward you and what you have that you said we would be filled. And that filling would spill over and be abundant into the lives of people around us, Lord. The very, the really bread of life for us, Lord. May we eat and feast on you daily and continually and for eternity, Lord, of who you are. So Lord, some of us here today, as we sing this, this song of crying out for hunger, may we truly be hungry for you. 
May we set aside all the junk food. May we set aside all the world tries to fill us that's not enough. We will work and, and strive for the food that you satisfy, your, your very substance of your spirit. May we do that now when we hunger for you this day and every day. And that hunger would, would spill over into the lives of the people that we in, in, in encourage and, and they would have a hunger as well. That their appetite would be wet for you as we live out this hunger and this desire for you each and every day of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name.